What's going on, world? Welcome to part two, numero dos of episodes this week here on the RJO Show. This week's guest is Chris Brockman, one of the producers for The Rich Eisen Show. And Chris has an interesting story that you heard all about in part one. And we are here to uh, to drop the, the second half. It was such a fun interview that we broke it apart um, you know, into two parts because it was really cool. The first one... Brockman talked about where he'd been, where he'd come from. We talked about Deflategate and sort of where he'd come from in that regard, the city of Boston and how the, the city of Boston just doesn't care about anything. They think they're the best and everybody else is just going to have to deal with it. On today's uh, second half, Brockman and I get into a fun story back when uh, the Rich Eisen show was the Rich Eisen podcast. Quick little teaser, if you will. They had Michael Crabtree in studio right after the Baltimore Ravens had beaten the 49ers in Super Bowl 47. And this was right after Anquan Bolden had just been traded to the 49ers. And, and Brockman asked Michael Crabtree, he said, hey, are you, uh, you going to look at Anquan Bolden's Super Bowl ring? You know, just kind of asking him if he was going to be motivated by that. And, and Crabtree said, nah, you know, nah, man, I, I've seen Super Bowl rings before. It's not really that big of a deal. And Brockman, you know, he took it a step further and he said, no, but I mean, you know, he beat you. He, you know, he got his ring from beating you. And, and Rich Eisen and Chris Law, the other producer, were like, whoa, dude, what's going on? And even, even Crabtree himself was like, man, you know, what what the heck, man? And so um, I get into that with Brockman and we talk some Game of Thrones. We talk about the Olympics and how I think uh, I think that we can all be bandwagon fans when it comes to, to the Olympics when they roll around. But uh, before we get into the second half of the Brockman interview, there was some NFL news that we just had to talk about, and it was mostly negative news, and that's because it's July 4th weekend, so if you're listening to this over the weekend, I hope you're having a safe time, a fun time with family and friends and and good food and and hopefully being safe uh, above all. Like I said, that's the most important thing. Um, But since it is July 4th weekend, the NFL typically chooses a a day or a weekend or a time like this to dump some bad news just because, you know, it hurts less when other great things are going on. And on Thursday, the final day of June, they dumped quite a bit. Uh, It started with Sheldon Richardson, the Jets defensive lineman. He is suspended for the first game of the 2016 season. Now, the Jets are pretty rich along the defensive line. They have Sheldon Richardson. They have Muhammad Wilkerson, who they're obviously in a bit of a stalemate with contractually right now. They have Leonard Williams, last year's first-round draft pick. I don't think this is really going to hamper the Jets. They do host the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 1. And, I mean, the, the Bengals obviously are an offensive threat. They were obviously a very good football team last year when Andy Dalton was healthy, and he will be, uh, you know, in week one, obviously, barring some tragic training camp injury. But this is one game, and ultimately, if you're a Jets fan, you're listening to this, obviously, this isn't ideal, but it's not a big deal. It's not going to severely, you know, reduce your chances in 2016. If anything's going to reduce your chances, it's going to be who's playing quarterback, because right now we don't know who it's going to be. Um, but Sheldon was not alone when it came to the suspensions handed out. Johnny Manziel, who isn't even on an NFL team right now, and it's July. Johnny stated a few days ago that July 1st was the day that he was going to enter sobriety. He made that declaration himself, but he will be doing so while being a suspended member of the National Football League. And by member, I mean not being on a team. Like I said, Johnny is suspended for the first four games of the season. This has to do with substance abuse, as the NFL defines it. And look, I'm not going to get into a political stance on, on substances here. The thing about this is, and the way I've always felt, I've tweeted this exact phrase before, is if your job told you, let's just say your name is Joe. I'm talking to you, Joe. 
they said, Joe, you cannot wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays. If you do, you're going to get in trouble and you could get fired. It's a stupid rule, right? Maybe you like your purple pants. But if they told you you can't do it, and that if you do it, you're going to get in trouble and you might get fired, and then you do it anyway, then what's stupid? It's the person doing it, right? I mean, whether you think this should be allowed, what Johnny's doing, what these other players are doing, whether it's legal or not, that's moot to me. Um, or moo, as Joey Tribbiani once famously said. It's, it's the principle where it's a rule. They're paid to abide by those rules. We all have rules in all walks of life. And we all abide by them for the most part. And if you don't, there are consequences. That's just the way the world works. So Johnny Manziel will be suspended for the first four games of the 2016 season. He is not alone, though. Um, Ravens tight end Darren Waller. It was announced on Friday, July 1st, that he is suspended for the first four games. And free agent tight end Cameron Clear was also suspended for the first four games. So tight ends, not a good day for them. If you remember last year, a tight end, Antonio Gates, was suspended um, infamously. And so, you know, and I remember people thinking last year that Antonio Gates did it for a reason. And not that this is smart, but maybe he he did something, he took some substance, some performance enhancing substance that he knew was illegal, but he just sort of figured that he's at a point in his NFL career where, you know, man, I, I don't really want to play 16 games anyway. If this is going to make me a better version of me for 12 games, maybe it's worth that risk. And uh, maybe that's a popular trend among these tight ends, Darren Waller and Cameron Clear. Uh, But there is a popular trend among the Dallas Cowboys. And this pains me because, as you know, I am a staff writer for InsideTheStar.com. And if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook or all the methods of social media you saw on Thursday, I went on Periscope and Facebook Live from our Inside the Star account and talked about Rolando McClain being suspended for the first 10 games of the 2016 season. Now, it was a bit of a fiery rant, and if you're listening now, I've cooled off a little bit. I do believe, though, that Rolando McClain's suspension is proof that the Dallas Cowboys had an arrogant approach to the 2016 offseason. And Rolando's suspension, let's, let's get this straight, that's not the straw that broke this camel's back. It's not like all of a sudden it became arrogant. I've been saying for a long time that it was arrogant what they're doing. They're trying to thread a needle, and these are the repercussions of that. Rolando McClain suspended for the first 10 games of the 2016 season. Randy Gregory, their pass rusher, their second-round draft pick, the 60th overall pick a year ago, he's already suspended for the first four games of the 2016 NFL season. And their other pass rusher, supposedly the best pass rusher, on the Dallas Cowboys, Demarcus Lawrence, the second-round draft pick in 2014, he is also suspended for the first four games of the 2016 season. Now, Demarcus's suspension was already, you know, we were all well aware of it. He did appeal it, and that's the news that came out. His appeal was denied. And so, you know, we're talking about a team here that is supposed to be able to contend for a Super Bowl. That's the goal. And that's the goal for all these teams. The Jets with Sheldon Richardson, the, you know, Johnny Manziel's thinking Super Bowl, wherever he is. I mean, Cameron Clear, Darren Waller, their teams want to contend for a Super Bowl. But at least they're the only members of their teams who are suspended. Cameron and Johnny not even having a team. So they're not, they're, at least they're not hurting a team. On the Dallas Cowboys, you have three of your 11 defensive starters who are missing significant time this season. And 
you're not really doing much about it. You look at the positions they have and what have they done much. That's my my stance here. That's where this arrogance comes from. Look at the pass rushers. They've Yeah, they've got DeMarcus Lawrence or Andy Gregory. They're supremely talented. But what use is that if they're not there for four games? Rolando McClain's a great linebacker. Cool, when he wants to be. You've got Jalen Smith who may play football, may not play football. And if he does, it's a great story. But if he does, it won't be till 2017. Awesome. I mean, that, that doesn't help this year. And so it's particularly frustrating uh, for the members of Cowboys Nation as, you know, if you're a fan of the Cowboys and, you know, a fan of Inside the Star, you saw all over Cowboys Twitter on Thursday. So that was interesting. But moving on to a bit of a positive light, All or Nothing, the new Amazon series that is the story of the 2015 Arizona Cardinals, that dropped on July 1st. And technically, it was it was like one of those old school movies you would go to when you were in high school. It dropped at midnight. I remember I used to go you know, at all the movie premieres. I think the last one I ever went to was maybe Harry Potter, the, the fifth one, The Order of the Phoenix. And it was always fun. You know, you'd get to the movies and everyone would be excited and stuff. But um, so that's what this felt like for me. This is my new Harry Potter. Um, and so the series dropped at uh, midnight Eastern time on uh, on Thursday night, Friday morning, July 1st. And it's eight episodes that NFL Films put together chronicling, like I said, the 2015 Arizona Cardinals. Now, if you remember the Cardinals, they lost the NFC Championship game somewhat in humiliating fashion to the uh, Super Bowl losing Carolina Panthers uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. But they were one of the more fun, more animated, more... Uh, I don't want to say spiritual, but more spirited teams of the 2015 season. Bruce Arians, their head coach, is one of the more passionate, colorful personalities among head coaches in the National Football League. They've got all these interesting characters in Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, David Johnson, Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, I could go on and on. Calais Campbell. And uh, so I'm about four episodes in at at the time that this is being recorded, and I have seen pretty much every NFL films thing there is to see. I I know it's not a secret to anyone who's listening to the RJO show. You heard our interview with Paul Camerata a few episodes back. I love NFL films and I love the way they tell stories and, you know, it's not hard to love all or nothing. Like I said, I'm only about halfway in, but it is incredible. It's so interesting and so fascinating to see the story of the Cardinals, but more than anything, to see the story of any team during the season. I mean, that's what's amazing about this. It's, it's, um, you know, it's setting a standard for a new type of, of sports documentary where a, a film crew documents a team across the whole season. You get to see their meetings. You get to see them in the weight room. You get to see them on Saturday practices where they bring their families. You get to see Carson Palmer telling David Johnson exactly what he wants him to do with his body. And uh, I mean, it's just incredible. I highly recommend it. It's free. All you need is Amazon Video. Um, it's an app. You can get it on most devices, uh, most platforms. Uh, but next week, we're going to have Shannon Furman, one of the producers and directors directors for NFL Films here on the RJO show to talk about it. So if you have any questions while you're watching, make sure to tweet at me or um, or email me. But for now, let's get to the second half of the Chris Brockman interview on this week's episode of the RJO show.
Hey, Cowboys Nation, make sure that you check out InsideTheStar.com on Twitter and make sure that you like our official Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at InsideTheStarDC or at Cowboys Nation. You can follow us on Snapchat, on Instagram, or Google+. We want to hear from you so that we know how to continue to satisfy you, the members of Cowboys Nation. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show with Chris Brockman. I want to talk about something, and I've wanted to talk to you about this literally for three years. Okay, so okay. a while back on the Rich Eisen podcast for the show, you guys had Michael Crabtree on, and I know you know yes. what I'm talking about. And this was a, a few months after the 49ers had lost Super Bowl 47 to the Baltimore Ravens, and you know the the Ravens had just sent Anquan Bolden to the 49ers in a trade, perhaps right. in, a, in an "I'm sorry" moment from the big brother to the little brother, and you guys were talking to him, and you asked. Michael Crabtree said, hey, you know, your new teammate, are you going to look at his Super Bowl ring? And and Crabtree said, I mean, I've seen Super Bowl rings before. This isn't really a big deal. I mean, I guess I'll look at it. And you went a step further and you said, no, but, I mean, he got this one by beating you. Are you going to look at it for motivation? And Rich and Law both chastised you for this, and I think you were wrongly ridiculed, man. That was a great question. That's what I'm saying. Look. RJ, I have been saying this for years, okay? Completely legitimate question for Crabtree. And I don't know why he got so offended. Look, you got a Super Bowl ring. Your teammate, your, your teammate, excuse me, comes in with this Super Bowl ring. Right. He got it by beating you. Aren't yeah. you going to look at that and go, oh, man, that should be my ring. You got my ring, Anquan, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was completely legit. And you know what's great? A couple weeks later, we had Jerry Rice on the show, and I, we broached this subject with him, and Jerry Rice had my back. Now, look, if the greatest of all time will back me up, that's all I need. That's all I need. I, I, I hope that you're referring to me as the greatest of all time and also just happy that Jerry backs us up as well. But, you know, I'm going to take that in, in that light. I, I completely agree, and I, in the moment, I, I almost stood up. For, I don't remember where I was listening, but I almost stood up because you're right. Anquan's ring is literally this physical reminder that Crabtree's ring does not exist. That's not the case. You can't look at, at anybody else's Super Bowl ring and never feel that. So I agree, but I want to know, is there a player who, in an exact same situation, you would not ask the question? You'd be so terrified. <laughs> uh, I mean – have you seen James uh, Harrison's Instagram lately? I, I am terrified of everything that guy does. I, I would be afraid to look James Harrison in the eye. That's fair. That's fair. What so is like, so? So like the, the so the scenario would be so the scenario would be say Terrell Suggs, which I, I he would never go play for the Steelers. Right. So let's say Terrell Suggs goes to play for the Steelers, mm-hmm. and. He has a Super Bowl ring, and maybe they beat the Steelers in, like, the AFC Championship game or something. I would never ask James Harrison, are you going to look at Terrell Suggs' ring for motivation? <laughs> because I, th- I, think he would, I think he would rip my arms off, beat me to death with them, and then, eat, and then barbecue my body and eat me. I think that's putting it lightly. Now, before we move on to a subject of, of similar um, – you know, graphic nature. If it was Tom Brady and David Tyree was his teammate, would you ask him? Well, I actually went to college with David Tyree. 
So I so I'm not gonna say that I know him, but I used to see David Tyree around campus, and he mm-hmm. was the nice and he was the nicest guy. He always took the time to talk to people in the, like the dining hall or the commissary. And uh, I, I actually, you know, look, it sucks. The helmet catch, whatever happened, and you know, I'm not gonna blame Rodney Harrison for not being able to knock the ball loose, except I am. I'm not gonna blame Asante Samuel for dropping a sure interception, <laughs> but I am. I'm not going to blame the referees for not calling the 14 holding penalties on the play that Eli threw the helmet catch on, but I am. But it couldn't happen. It couldn't have happened to a nicer guy uh, than David Tyree. So, you know, I actually don't hold any, any grudges or hard feelings to him at all for it. That's fair. And that's a mature response. I don't think that I would ask Rodney Harrison. He, he is sort of a James Harrison. The Harrison brothers, obviously. Um, not actual brothers, but brothers in terms of the fear they put in me. Um, I would not ask him just because he would probably – I think he'd go arms and legs, and I would just be this torso sitting there just watching myself lose dignity by the second. So, speaking of dignity, what did you think of the Game of Thrones season finale? Was it epic? Oh, epic. So you, you watch, right? You're all caught up. Of course. It was incredible. It, it was incredible. The first the first 15 to 20 minutes of Circe just, like, settling all family business was, I mean, the depths of her evil. Do you remember, was it was it this season when uh, the grandma Tyrell and her were talking and she was like, you know, you're so evil and how, you know, her greatest day is like watching her in misery. It was just, it was so amazing. And the way it was shot and the music with like the, the, the interspliced footage of everyone getting dressed to go to this grand trial. And then Mm -hmm. Cersei like, no, I'm a boss. Just watch what's going to happen. And literally the only person who had it figured out that some absolute chaos was about to go down was Marjorie bless her gorgeous hot soul uh she was the only one who had it all figured out and she's like we have to leave and it wouldn't have mattered i mean the uh, uh the wildfire torched everyone within i'm sure a two mile radius but uh it was incredible and look you know tom and i i did not expect him to jump out the window <laughs> but but like that, that kid was such a such a pansy and such a loser. Like, uh, good riddance, you know? I agree. I agree 100% with everything you said. If I had to pick the, the like, most epic moment of Cersei, I think it would be when she shut the door to the cackling and she was just, like, shame. That was the, the ultimate just, like, cherry on top yes. of her evil. Yes. Um, and that was, she's so evil. And, like, pouring the wine over oh, top yeah. of her and everything is just incredible. No, I agree. So before we get to the, the Game of Thrones question I have for you, I need you to settle the score between me and somebody. We had some bold okay. predictions. We had some bold predictions before the finale, and one of mine was that Cersei would kill Tommen. Now, obviously, she didn't push Tommen out this window, but he, you know, he jumped as a result of everything she did, and you know the sadness that it generated in his heart. Should I? Am I right? Did, did I get that right? Who? She definitely indirectly led to Tommen's death. She indirectly killed him. She obviously didn't uh, drive the knife in or, you know, set him on fire or poison him or anything. But Cersei's actions, remember, she said it was two weeks ago where she said, I choose violence. 
and we could see the kind of wildfire plot plan being put into action and then it coming to fruition. Um, And Tommen's looking out over his city. He sees the woman he loves perished. He sees uh, the man he believed in, sort of the High Sparrow, and all of his followers perished. And he thinks, how can I go on? How can I lead? It's all over. Face plant. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Searcy did kill Tommen. Good man, Brockman. That's why you're on this show, because you are the man. Okay. So, you have, a firm, you have a firm grip on Game of Thrones and the NFL. Uh, the, episode, the episode that preceded the epic season finale was the penultimate episode of the season. Another fun fact, I learned that word listening to the podcast, because you guys would talk about it. That's how, <laughs> that's how I learned the word penultimate. Yes. Um, so, we saw the huge battle between Jon Snow and Ramsey Bolton. In your estimation, who is the, the closest rivalry to the two of them in the National Football League? Ooh, that's good. You know what? I'm going to go back to something that I said earlier uh, in regards to James Harrison and Terrell Suggs. I'm going to say it's the Steelers and the Ravens. Because those two teams, those two teams hate each other. Or if you want to take it back to last year's playoffs, the Bengals and the Steelers hate each other. And you know what? That's what I love. I love teams that hate each other, players, individual players that hate each other. The the whole trend of like, you know how LeBron James wants to play with all of his buddies. He wants to play with Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and yeah. Chris Paul and, Chris, and like form a super team. I think that is kind of annoying to me. I, you know, this concept of like all these guys like each other because they all grew up playing in, you know, AAU and all these camps and whatnot. I like the old days. I like when the Bulls hated the Pistons. I like that the Knicks hated the heat. I like that, you know, everyone hates playing the Cowboys or or everyone hates the, you know, the Patriots. I, I like that about pro sports. You know, you see, like, hockey teams like the Devils and the Avalanche just hated playing against each other. I really enjoy that, Syracuse, Georgetown, those rivalries that really run deep, and you believe them because you see the actions of the players on the field. They can't stand each other. They hate each other. And yeah. so I, I like that. I like that. You know, Ramsey Bolton, Jon Snow clearly hated each other. The Starks hate the Ramseys, uh, you know, for what they did at the Red Wedding. And I, I think it's the Steelers. I think it's the Steelers and the Ravens right now. That's, that's well, going to be my final answer. Steelers and the Ravens. Now, and you have to, you know, to go full circle with everything we've talked about here, go Breaking Bad here, you have to tread lightly. Who is who? That's a big thing that you're about to declare. Because who, whoever gets to be Jon Snow is the winner. Ooh. Ooh, ready? You ready for this? I'm ready? ready. Here, here it is. Here it is. The Steelers are the Starks. Okay? They are NFL royalty. Pittsburgh Ooh. Steelers. Okay. Six-time NFL, six-time NFL champions. Okay? Right. Long-standing tradition, just like the Starks in the North. Thousands of years in the North. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Ra- then you got the Ravens. They're a new house. House Raven. House Raven is new. They moved from Cleveland 20 years ago. They don't have any type of history. Sure, they won a Super Bowl. Sure, Ramsey won a couple of battles. Took Winterfell originally, just like Flacco kind of established himself as a new kid on the block. But always, the legends always win, and the Steelers always come out on top in this. I really like this. And, you know, when you were talking, I was sort of transported to, I think it was the America's game 
on the 2008 Steelers. And Troy Polamalu was talking about that AFC championship game. And he's saying, you know, that if the Ravens won, because I think that was Joe Flacco's rookie year and John Harbaugh's first year coaching the Ravens, he said, you know, if these guys made it to the Super Bowl, that would have been a cool story. He was like, but sorry, the story's over. And that's kind of the thing. You know, if, if Ramsey Bolton would have risen above, it would have been this kind of cool story in a vacuum. This guy triumphs over everything. But that's not the way the story goes. The story goes in favor of the Steelers. I'm, I, I think it's really exactly. And good Did, job. Didn't Troy Paul didn't Troy Paul have a pick six in that game? He did. He said, and, and he's that's telling that mistaken. story as it was happening. And I think, like, he had a, a newborn at the time, and he held the ball up towards his newborn. I always find that oh, interesting okay. how, how athletes can locate their family in stadiums of 80,000 people. But, um, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they, they got them the tickets, so I'm sure they know where they're sitting. <laughs> that's true. Okay, Brockman, last subject. And you know a lot about sports, and – and you have a very interesting take when it comes to, to them and to pop culture. And this is something I've thought for a long time, and I've never audibly discussed it with anyone because, to be fair, I've been waiting for this moment. And you talked about LeBron James and everybody forming super teams, and granted, that doesn't seem to be the case this summer um, in Rio with the Olympics. More and more people are, you know, choosing not to go. So I believe that the Olympics – when they happen, we're in the social media world. Everybody gets all about it. When Michael Phelps broke Mark Spitz's record, everybody's all about it. I think that we're all bandwagon fans when it comes to the Olympics. Because, Brockman, name, name me any men's swimmer right now, if you can. Ryan Lochte. Well, is he competing in this year's Olympics? I don't even know. Uh, the trials are going on right now, right? I, I, I can't name any other swimmer other than Ryan Lochte and Michael Phelps. Right, so... That's kind of what happens. We all – and with, there are exceptions, obviously. Basketball is one of them because we watch those players all the time. I think golf is going to be like that in the future. But what do you think? Do you think we're all bandwagon fans? And maybe bandwagon isn't the term. Maybe it's seasonal fans because obviously we're rooting for America. But what do you think? I definitely think there's something here, and, and I, I definitely don't disagree with you. Uh, my question back to you is, do you have a problem with it? Um, I don't know if I have a problem, and I don't even know if I'm annoyed. It's just something I want to talk about. It's just something I want to start. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think I definitely think it's true. Everyone for Olympics are, are pretty much a bandwagon fan, unless you're like active in those Olympic sports community, unless you kind of grew up swimming, or maybe you're an archer, or you're into speed skating, or the heptathlon. You know, if you're a track and field guy, then maybe you know who some of those athletes are. If maybe you were a college athlete, you trained with some of those people. It's the same thing with the World Cup, right? I'm not into soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried to I tried to watch the other day, and it was just like, uh, not interested, you know? And, you know, I think what kind of ruins soccer for me are American soccer fans who are so snobby about their soccer fandom. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm – so someone like me – I'm not allowed to be a soccer fan because I want to watch only only every four years. Like, who are you to tell me this? And like, who who are you to tell me I can't have an opinion on it because I only watch every four years? Maybe I would be the same way for someone who only watches the Super Bowl every four years. But until people care on a global scale about U.S. soccer, then it's not going to matter. But for the Olympics, sure, it's a pride thing. You know, you want to feel good about your country. You want to feel good about the sport, the niche sport that you follow. So I'm kind of okay with it. 
it is kind of a curious phenomenon. And you know what's really interesting about the Rio Olympics? There's little to no buzz about the Olympics. The only press you're hearing about the Rio Olympics is the bad press. That, oh, there's something wrong with the water. Uh, Oh, the Zika virus has all these athletes pulling out. Oh, the U.S. rowing team has a special germ, you know, repelling suit that they have. Like, uh, if the only press about your gigantic games that everyone only cares about every four years is all bad and nothing about any of the athletes, any of the heartwarming stories about the athletes coming on, maybe it's time to do something to change the dialogue about it because this can't be good. For sure. Now, you brought up soccer. and This, I, this is a bonus question for you that you unlocked in your answer, so congratulations. You know, when someone wins the Super Bowl, is it fair to say they're world champions? Are the Denver Broncos world champions right now? Uh, yes, because the highest level of football is played in America, and therefore, and they are the best team in that league of the higher football. So yes, they are world champions. Right now, soccer is the most popular sport in the world, and I don't want to penalize it for that. But you know, I'm not a big soccer fan. I'm kind of I think we're in the same boat here. So as I understand it, the the most elite level of soccer year round is the the club league, the you know the Man U's and sure the, 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 the English Premier English. Yeah, the English Premier League, right? Right. So they win. There's a champion every year. So in theory, you could call that team world champions. There are tons of other leagues, though, that have champions, and they, you know, announce themselves as best or whatever. But in a year where there's the World Cup, say Chelsea wins the English Premier League, and say Germany wins the World Cup, who are the world champions? Because you you can't discern that because some of the Chelsea players play for Germany or play for different countries, wherever they call home. Who? How can you ever con- – Conclusively determine that who the world champion, who the best team on earth is when it comes to soccer. And because we can't answer this question, that tells you all you need to know about soccer. Brockman, just man, finishing strong, respect. What a just a mic drop of an answer. Seriously, bravo. Thank you, RJ. That's why I'm here. That's why I get paid the big bucks. That's why I have so many Twitter followers. <laughs> Well, you uh, you don't have enough, and people can and should follow you at Chris Brockman, and it's spelled exactly like it sounds. Thank you so much for taking the time, Chris. Really enjoyed it. The Rich Eisen Show is exceptional, and, you know, you need to write more at chrisbrockman.com. There are interesting musings there that, that I enjoy and that I think people enjoy. You know, I know you got a lot going on, Brockman, but let's make it happen. Give us some stuff to enjoy. Yeah, RJ, thanks so much for having me. Great show. Uh, really appreciate it. And you're right. Look, ChrisBrockman.com has been a little barren for the last, like, year and a half, pretty much since the show started. Uh, I, I haven't really done as much writing. I tried to do a little bit over at RichEisenShow.com. Uh, so hopefully as the summer goes on, you can look for some pieces on both ChrisBrockman.com and RichEisenShow.com. And as you're right, follow me on Twitter, at ChrisBrockman. You know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. My Instagram is really stupid. It's, it's at Brock, Brock Shady. Shady. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a bunch of like dumb photos that usually don't have me in it. And then I do one word captions, which are also stupid. I I really look, to be honest, I just have Instagram so I can look at hot chicks. <laughs> well, um that's that's awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna come right. I'm gonna come right through the front door on that. Instagram is amazing to look at girls on because these girls will post anything, and they're like just wearing nothing. It's ridiculous. You you know what, Brockman? This has been a great back and forth, and I, and I want to end it by just completely closing the circle. When I won the punters or people T-shirt from from you guys back in the podcast days. It was right after you had had Olivia Munn on the podcast, and I think that that was yes. before, I think that was right before she started dating Aaron Rodgers. And yes, you, I think you're you right. Got, you guys tweeted something like tweet or whatever. You know, we'll select some winners. And in an effort to get noticed, to separate myself from the herd, I tweeted, you know, with whatever the hashtag was. I'm sure it was plenty of people too. But I said, and Olivia Munn is hot because I thought you guys would notice that, and I think it did. Uh, it did work to my benefit. That's why I have a Rich Eisen or a Punters People T-shirt. You know, that's how I roll. Yes. See, you know what's up. Olivia Munn is hot. That is yeah. 100% true. Yeah. I mean, it is as true as everything we've talked about. If you could give Aaron Rodgers something in your life that you probably hold as equally near and dear to your heart as he does Olivia in exchange, what would it be? Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything that Aaron Rodgers would want. You know, a few years ago at an ESPYs after party, uh, him and I were in the same elevator with uh, the Hasselbeck brothers. And, Your twins. Um, yeah, the Hasselbeck brothers are also uh, bald as beautiful, member of the brotherhood. And mm-hmm. so we were walking out, and, and Rogers was like making fun of us for being bald. And it was like, really, Rogers? I mean, come, it was three in the morning. I was like, come up with something more original than that. You're better than that. So maybe I could give Aaron Rodgers like a sense of humor. I know he thinks he's hilarious, <laughs> but maybe I can help him out with a few jokes because. That one was pretty lame, not going to lie. <laughs> well, it sounds like a fair trade-off as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and again, Brockman, thank you. you. You are the man. Seriously, the Rich Eisen shows the bomb. Enjoy it every day. Keep up the great work. Thank you for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon, my man. All right. Thanks, RJ. Be well, man. Barbara Streisand. Hey, everybody. Next week, we're going to have Shannon Furman, one of the producers and directors for NFL Films, here on the RJO Show. We're going to be talking to Shannon about the new Amazon series, All or Nothing, which NFL Films put together surrounding the 2015 Arizona Cardinals. After you watch the show, if you have any questions or something you want Shannon to ask, tweet me at RJO Ochoa. Email me, rj at rjochoashow.com. That way we can pick Shannon's brains and get the exact answers that you're looking for here on the RJO Show. Welcome to the RJO Show, not the Space Jam, but this song felt appropriate with NBA free agency going on and all of the stupid amount of money being spent. If you've been keeping track, it is just absurd. The new NBA salary cap is, is making things crazy. Um, but this episode of the RJO Show was not crazy. This episode was awesome. And if you couldn't tell, it was a big thrill for me to talk to Chris Brockman. I've been a huge fan of the Rich Eisen podcast and the Rich Eisen show. Rich, Chris Brockman, and Chris Law. I do feel like they're my, my best friends. I've been hanging out with them for years and years. And so it was really cool to talk to him about those things. And, and I loved that you know it, the topic ranged from the Michael Crabtree thing all the way to Game of Thrones. And then, you know, 
we started talking about the Olympics, but that, you know, became its own thing, its own monster, and it was a really great time. And I can't thank Chris Brockman enough uh, for joining the RJO Show. Like he said, and like I said, you can follow him on Twitter, at Chris Brockman. And if you want to follow him on Instagram, you can. His username is Brock Shady. Make sure you check out the Rich Eisen Show every day and uh, and watch all of their their products. It, I mean, seriously, it's, it's my number one sports show that I watch and my number one podcast, my favorite of all time. Seriously, hands down. And uh, this was one of my favorite episodes. I really enjoyed it, and I hope that you did. And I hope that you enjoyed us splitting into two parts. Um, I can, you know, if you haven't, go back and listen to part one. It's on our, uh, you know, everywhere that you listen to this show: iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, the RJOcho or RJO Excuse me. And if you want access to any individual episode, just tweet at me, and I'll get you the link, or I'll get you whatever you need. Remember that we give away trivia prizes every week to somebody. Um, you know, I'll tweet out a question that has to do with that episode and whoever answers it first wins a trivia prize and i'll usually do about three or four episodes at a time so um, you get a good chance to win next week like we talked about we're going to have shannon Furman of nfl films on the show so if you have any questions for her let me know because of shannon's schedule she's obviously very busy filming great movies for us to watch the rjo show is going to be a bit delayed next week the episode will be posted on friday not normally on wednesday um, as it usually is but to make up for it, I'll do an extra Periscope slash Facebook Live session on Wednesday next week. So next Monday, next Wednesday, and next Thursday, I will be on Periscope or Facebook Live. If you like our official Facebook page, Inside the Star, um, you can do that, or you can follow me on Periscope at RJ Ochoa. So Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'll, uh, I'll be sure to announce the times on, both on Twitter and on Facebook, talking about whatever's going on, obviously all or nothing, and whatever Cowboys news comes out, hopefully nothing negative. Hopefully the Cowboys get some good stuff going on. And uh, the NFL coming back. We are in July. This is the last month that we have with no NFL football. And that's really exciting. August will bring some severe heat if you live uh, in the South like I do in San Antonio, Texas. But it will also bring the sweet joy and sweet sound and sweet just deliciousness of, uh, of the NFL. The Hall of Fame will have a great Hall of Fame show. I'm really excited for that coming up. And the preseason and fantasy football. It's almost here. Just hang tight. We just have a little bit more ways to go. Um, but until then, until next week, remember next Friday uh, for the RJO show, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the Periscope and Facebook Live sessions. Until then, I will see you. Have a happy and a safe and a blessed 4th of July weekend. I hope you spend it with those near and dear to your heart. And uh, tell them about the RJO show if they don't know. I want to be a part of your 4th of July weekend in that way. I'll hang out with you guys. Make sure there's good food. Everybody have a good one. Stay safe, like I said. We'll talk to you next week. As always, go Cowboys. And peace out! Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out?